Hey, Hustler. Welcome to the Chief Hustler Podcast. I'm Amber L. Hall, an engineer, 15-time patent holder, and changemaker. I've learned a lot over the years as a woman of color in corporate America. And as I continue to hustle my way to the top, I want to share my ideas and learnings with you. This podcast is for women and people of color like you, navigating male-dominated industries who want to own their career with confidence and thrive. My philosophy is simple. You must be the CEO of your career. And on this podcast, you will hear my personal story along with others to help you develop the strategy you need to build a fulfilling career with confidence. Let's get started. Hey, Hustler. How are you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Chief Hustler Podcast. I'm so happy that you are here for us to have a little chat today. And the chat that I want to have with you is all about running meetings. Now, let's just clear the air and get something out of the way, which is being in charge of running meetings can be a major pain in the ass. No doubt about it. For a lot of reasons. Number one, it can be additional responsibilities to maybe beyond your job scope, meaning maybe you aren't the actual project manager in the in the office. Maybe PMO is not the function that you report into. And so running meetings and keeping track of minutes and all that kind of thing are, are often, if, if your organization has a dedicated project management office or function, typically that's where those types of responsibilities fall. So if you don't have that organization or perhaps your your function doesn't tap into that organization, then sometimes running meetings can be something that falls on members of the team. And it's definitely it's definitely annoying, or at least it can be, and it can definitely be a pain in the ass. So let's talk about how to navigate this in a strategic way so that you can use it as an opportunity and also make your meetings super effective. Now there are a variety of different things and, you know, whether it's podcasts or literature or articles available through a simple Google search with regards to how to make meetings effective. So I'm not going to give you super tactical details about how to execute a meeting. There's plenty of, of available literature for that. If that's something that you really are interested in learning specifically, let me know. And we can either have an offline chat or maybe I'll do a follow-up to this episode. But today I want to focus specifically on if you've been tasked to run meetings or to own a particular type of meeting, how you get strategic about that, how you leverage this as an opportunity for you to grow and to thrive and for you to, to have effective meetings in the sense of you having really good outcomes. So that's what I want to focus on today. So first, I'll tell you just a little bit of the story around my own journey to running meetings. My very first role in my career as an engineer was leading one of several team engineering meetings. And so I was responsible for running a couple different meetings in our team, and our team was global. And of course, just the details of when to have the meeting and what tools you're going to use in the meeting, all that kind of stuff are things that you have to work through. But I saw it particularly because I was so early in my career. I mean, I was in my first year. I saw it as an opportunity to level up. One, to build relationships. Two, 
to own something um, because I was so junior that I wasn't really owning projects. So I used it as an opportunity to kind of be a voice in the room. And then also it allowed me to have just great exposure and build, build awesome relationships across the team. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Running meetings definitely can suck. <laughs> if you are not a person that's a good note taker, if you're not a person that can stay on agenda and stay on time, um, being in charge of running a meeting can definitely suck. And I would encourage you to step, take a step to the side for a second and reflect on what great strengths do you bring can you bring to something like running running meetings and then where are perhaps opportunities for you to improve and if that is something like note taking then you have to be honest with yourself about what you are willing to do to be a better note taker and establishing the discipline required to be a good note taker so that for people that can't make the meeting for reviewing notes in a future meeting you've appropriately documented them so they won't be in any question. You know, taking meeting notes and keeping people to agenda honestly takes discipline, but more than anything, it takes integrity because you have to you have to lead into those types of activities without bias and you and that therefore that means you have to you have to demonstrate great integrity. And that is not an easy thing to to do, but the best way to get good at something is to put in the reps. Put in the reps. I, you know I love a good basketball reference or anything fitness related. And you don't just walk into the gym on day one and start doing 45-pound dumbbell bicep curls. That's just not, I mean, unless you were superhuman and were training previously, you were never going to be able to walk into the gym on the first day and, and knock that out of the park. So if you've never trained before in your life on something that now all of a sudden is a goal for you, you're going to, you're going to number one, write down goals, but they ought to be SMART, right? Um, and SMART is an acronym, uh, but basically just suggests that they have structure, they can be measured, they're actionable, they're timely, um, and, and more than anything, keep you accountable. They're reasonable goals, right? So if your goal is to want to lift you know, do 45 pound dumbbell bicep curls, then maybe you start with five pounds or three pounds even, or maybe no weight. Um, and then you slowly increase that weight over time, right? And and maybe you start with five reps and then you increase to eight reps and then you increase to 10 reps and 12 reps, 15 reps. You see what I'm saying? Any, any muscle, and in this case, the muscle that we're talking about is discipline and integrity. If you've never really stretched those muscles before, you got to start with practice. You got to start with starting. Start there. Set reliable, measurable, actionable, timely goals. And and then you will eventually build enough reps that it will become second nature to you. That's how anybody gets good at anything. I mean, all of us probably have gifts that we're born with, but for these types of things, you know, you got to work at them, right? So I started leading meetings very early in my career. And I used it as an opportunity to be strategic and to kind of level up, particularly as I was not quite given full on, you know, project leadership roles right from the get go. I would probably came maybe 12 to 18 months into the into my first job. And so running meetings was a great opportunity to one, learn more, know more, know more people, do more have exposure to things. And so let's first talk about how you take this, what can be a very mundane, what can be a very administrative task and turn it into something that can be a strategic opportunity for you and make the team better. 
and make the team better. I want to be clear, not everything is always going to be about you, but you can use moments like this to say, how can I make me better? And therefore the team is better for it, right? So before you actually execute any meeting, and again, there are a variety of different tools available and trainings and all kinds of things with regards to actually executing a meeting. But you know, you know me, I'm all about how we help you get strategic at work, how we help you actually think through things at work. And this is really the foundational work, much like I talked about in last week's episode. And what we're doing is that same strategic thinking that I'm encouraging you to do in every part of your career. And quite honestly, every part of your life, we're applying to this very specific scenario of leading meetings. The first question I want you to ask yourself if you've been tasked or asked to lead or own a meeting is to ask yourself and the team even, what is the desired outcome of the meeting? Or what are the set of desired outcomes for the meeting? It's a very simple question that doesn't mean it's got an easy answer. And I can't, not knowing your situation or what function you're in or what the topic of the meetings could be, I can't answer that question for you, but I want you to answer it for yourself. And and actually take it one step further and pull people that would participate in the meeting, survey them, talk to them about what they think the desired outcomes of the meeting are. Is, for example, the desired outcome to get status updates so people can be informed? Or is it to review certain projects? Is it to, you know, have brainstorm sessions? Whatever it is, get clarity on what is it your desired outcome of the meeting. I think that's the first thing you got to get clarity on. What's the intent? Why are we having the meeting in the first place? I know you've seen plenty of memes where it's like, we had that 30-minute meeting for what could have been a, an email right? So we need to create clarity so that therefore you as the meeting runner, leader, owner can create boundaries. I'll say it again. We are creating clarity on why we're having the meeting so you as the owner of the meeting can have boundaries. Without clarity, it's really hard to impose boundaries. Without clarity, it really is hard to impose rules and norms and rituals around how you will behave in that meeting, how that meeting will be executed. So Get clarity on why you're having a meeting. Get clarity on the desired outcomes. There, that in itself can help create a foundation for you that so you can start to set boundaries on what is or is not appropriate to have in a meeting. That leads me to my second point. Once you have clarity, then you can start to define what is and is not on the table, right? So typically, if a meeting is happening bi-weekly or monthly or bi-monthly or whatever the cadence is, it means that it's reoccurring, number one, and it means that it likely means that the types of things that are discussed in the meeting are going to continually be on the agenda, right? Week after week, month after month, right? So therefore, once you have clarity of understanding what the meeting is for, so that you can start to determine what the desired outcomes are, then you can start to set boundaries around what is or is not appropriate for the meeting. Topic-wise, agenda-wise, attendee list-wise, all of those things, right? Then you can start to really assess. And here's the thing. People tend to, I think by default, want to put a 45-minute meeting or a 60-minute meeting on a calendar. By just answering those handful of questions up front, you may find that you actually only need a 15-minute meeting or a five-minute meeting or a 30-minute or a meeting, right? Um, but I want you to get strategic about assessing why you need the meeting, 
what the desired outcomes ought to be of the meeting. And this is, I, I really think that you as an individual, as the owner of this thing, you should have a point of view, right? But you should also then work with your colleagues, your peers, your coworkers, your teammates, however you want to define it to also get their perspective. Your leader is also a great person to talk to about this. Once you've developed a point of view to say, hey, I own this meeting and it's been going and I, I think it's okay, but I really want to elevate the productivity of the meeting. I want to elevate the engagement in this meeting. Right. And in order to do that, I've been thinking about what the desired outcomes are, what the purpose of the meeting is for. And I've written some things down and I have a point of view and I'd like to share that with you and also get your perspective on those same things so that we can get an alignment on this meeting. That fundamentally changes you from just doing a tactical task to being strategic about meetings. Just because a meeting of someone's calendar doesn't mean it actually adds value. So I want you to shift from how do I have this meeting to how do I ensure that the time that I spend together with my colleagues on this thing is valuable, adds value? Do you see the difference? One is very tactical in nature. One is just getting the thing done. One is just focused on the execution. The other one separates you from the activity and positions you as a strategic thought leader on whether or not we should have a meeting. Now, I will preface this by saying, if you actually, upon evaluation, have realized that I don't know that we need this meeting, that's a different conversation to have with your leader. And I think that there is room to appropriately and respectfully be like, I've evaluated the things that we do in this meeting, and maybe given the tools that we have within the organization, the digital tools available to us, maybe we can transition the content of this meeting into a, a Slack. Or maybe we can transition this to a mural board or whatever it is, right? There, there may be other ways to get the same types of information, but don't have to actually call people to a meeting. And therefore, you can always paint the picture of how you're giving people time back. You know, as long as you have a way of holding people accountable to the tangible things that you want people to demonstrate in this meeting, maybe the meeting doesn't have to happen. But let's say that's a separate conversation. Let's say the meeting actually still needs to happen. Upon getting clarity about why you're having the meeting and who needs to be in the meeting and the types of reoccurring topics that you're going to have in the meeting, you still need to have a meeting. Okay, now you've laid the foundation work. My hope is that you would then go through that same exercise with, you don't have to, if you've got a team of 10, you don't have to talk to nine other people, but maybe talk to two or three, or maybe the one person that you've built a rapport with that's your coworker turned friend that you can have a really honest conversation with about this meeting. And then certainly your boss or leader in your organization to have that, to have that conversation. And from there, you've now established a, a framework. <laughs> I like to use the word operating model. Why are we here? What's the purpose? What's the desired outcome? What value will people be able to gain from us spending this time together? A way of working, a playbook, if you will. This to me is the foundational way of leading any meeting. And at it, again, it doesn't matter if your meeting's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45, 60, or a off day or a all day work session or an offsite. It really doesn't matter if it's recurring or not, but you need to get clear on why you're having the meeting, what's the purpose, and what are the desired outcomes so that people feel like that they're actually enjoying their time. Now, let's be clear. Sometimes these meetings are so just monotonous that it's hard to actually have fun, but I want to reframe it and at least mention the fact that you can have an engaging meeting that's productive and it doesn't have to be long and annoying. 
And you own, you own that. You own the culture that you create in your team meeting. You own the culture that you create in your team meeting. This is why I want to reframe this as what some may perceive this as an administrative task to a strategic task and why you can own it if you want to own it. But owning it requires you to step into another level of thought leadership than what just executing it tactically meant, right? And if you want a little bit more detail about what I mean by thought leadership, then go back to just last week's episode where I talk about getting strategic about work because that's literally what this is in practice in the context of a meeting. Okay, so you've established why you're all here, okay, and hopefully with clarity around what the types of agenda items ought to be, you can start to then structure timing and and who would speak and, and about what and all of that, right? That's not necessarily what I'm here to talk to you about because, again, there are plenty of resources out there available to kind of walk you through what an effective meeting is tactically, But you obviously need to get clear on what the agenda is, how many minutes people are going to be speaking. And you as the meeting owner, this is a role you have to play in holding people accountable to their preparedness and their ability to keep to the agenda. You all have a responsibility in the room to keep to the agenda and keep to the topics of the agenda. So you as the owner of the meeting, you set boundaries around how you all will treat each other in the meeting, how, how, the, how the meeting will be operated, if it's virtual or in person or a mixture of the two, how will people listen to one another, those kinds of things. You as an owner get to kind of set the boundaries. And if you've actually never done this before, meaning you've been running meetings, but you've never taken a step back and, and assessed the situation and then presented kind of a new meeting format to a team, this is a great opportunity to think about how you would do that with your leader's help or, or maybe tag teaming it with some other teammates. But this is a great opportunity to take a step back, reflect upon the meeting situation, what's working, what's not, and then introduce a new meeting format. And and the, a great way to position this is I want to make sure that we're using everybody's time effectively, that it's productive, we're adding value, and people are getting to the desired outcomes that they need to go on with the rest of their workday or to proceed in projects or whatever, whatever that looks like for you and your team. And so with your buy-in from your boss, and this is why I think having that conversation with your boss about the desired outcomes, what's the purpose, all of that, positions you to then get your boss's buy-in to, if you need to pivot this meeting in any way, flow-wise or format-wise or set new boundaries or guardrails or new rules or rituals or whatever it is, you can have your boss's buy-in by taking them along for the journey of you assessing the meeting. And it and it will seem like a small thing. Like, why would I spend all this time being being strategic about something that maybe is only forty five minutes of my day once a week, or or you know every two weeks? Well, that's that's the point. Is that it is such a small amount of your time. You want to be you want to ensure that it's being used wisely, and you shouldn't treat the forty five minute meeting any different from a day of your of your week. And and I would ask you for you just on a very separate note to think about your work week and set the same same intention strategically for your work week. How are you using your time? What's it for? What's the desired outcomes? All of that. You can look at every single day and likely see patterns and, and, and behaviors through your work week or your work days. And you'll start to notice where you're inefficient, where you're not, um, what makes you thrive, what makes what makes it maybe difficult for you to thrive, all of that. 
and, and a meeting should be treated no differently. So if you use this opportunity to evaluate this this moment, this 45, which will seem like a moment, right, relative to everything else, but this 45 minutes, if you, if you treat this meeting in that same strategic way, you will literally be able to rinse and repeat and apply the same methodology to every other part of your work. So, and that's the point. Because we're tackling something small, quote unquote, relative to time or, or magnitude, if you get this down through discipline and, and integrity, you will then be able to apply it to other parts of your life. That's the secret sauce. That's how we create hustlers. That's how we create people who ascend to you know, incredible levels of success and go on to have wild, big, large titles with associated with their names is because they take small moments like this, like running a meeting that can be a fairly administrative task and they turn into an opportunity and they turn into an opportunity to be strategic and own something that adds value and creates impact. It's, it's, a, it's that, again, it's simple, not easy, but it's simple. So that's what I really hope that you start to think through as kind of the first, the kind of what I'll call the, the pre-work, the pre-work of setting the tone for your meeting, setting, setting attention, what's the purpose, what's the desired outcome, getting clarity on how you will run the meeting, that kind of thing. Maybe you will delegate tasks. Maybe you don't actually end up being the note taker. Maybe... The person who gives, for example, if this is a project update meeting, right? So the purpose of the meeting is for, for there are project leads likely on the team. And so you all are coming together as a team to update one another, kind of what's what's happening on your projects, if any roadblocks, any successes, any wins that week, so on and so forth. Maybe in that type of meeting, you as the team meeting lead aren't going to be responsible for taking the notes. You're going to delegate that and hold every person that is presenting their project that day in that meeting to give an update by, you know, writing their meeting notes, their portion of the meeting notes in a shared document. Maybe that's the way you approach that. That's just an idea, right? Okay. When we get to the actual meeting itself, you're in the meeting, you've, you've now set the tone, you've introduced a new, uh, approach perhaps new new structure whatever it is and now you're actually in the meeting and there are some things that you have to do to just keep the meeting along and that ends up looking like a couple of things being a good listener (laughs) being a good listener aka to some degree being a good mediator and that simply just means you have to understand the room you have to read the room, understand who likes who, know the politics, know the emotions. Is there any drama? Are there advocates in the room? Like knowing all of that, knowing your people in the room will will set you up for, for much success. For example, if there's a person that, you know, you guys have decided that everybody's going to get a 10 minute talking opportunity, but there's one person that always talks 20 then we're going to have that person go last. Never have that person go first, right? Like that, those just become things that you can do to just help keep people on task. The other thing you have to do is be an advocate. If you're running a meeting and things are getting out of hand, either off topic, people are running over time, maybe there's a person that you know has something really valuable to say but isn't saying it because maybe there's just too much power in the room, whatever it is, you can serve as an advocate. You, if, particularly if this is not your team meeting and you're, you're, you're running a meeting of leadership above you or you're running a, a meeting of, of people of a different function or different level than you, you can use this as a great opportunity to be an advocate because you're kind of like 
non-biased and you could you could be the person to be in the room to say oh we haven't heard from Susie Susie do you have anything to add to this or we haven't heard from Bill Bill's been kind of quiet Bill do you have anything to add being an advocate in the room is also something that can be super helpful again these things take reps and (laughs) effort honestly if you think about being a mediator in conflict to be quite honest meetings are much of the same Your intent should be that everyone is heard. Everyone who should be speaking has spoken, right? And is actually heard. Their voice is valued, right? And what they are saying, right? There's there's the actual act of speaking. That's one thing. But then there's also when you speak, did you add value? And that 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 comes in the pre-work. Working with the people ahead of the meeting to ensure that what they're putting together for the meeting is productive will add value. You can become, again, an advocate for time and efficiency and, and all those kinds of things. <clears throat> but you have a role to play here with regards to being a mediator to some degree. If you think about conflict management or change management or anywhere where, where things are happening all in one kind of forum, you you have a role to play. You can be that person that can be a mediator. And again, there are great there are great tools out there for being a mediator. And lastly, there's in the meeting and, and holding people accountable and that honestly just takes reps and practice. But you setting intent for the meeting going into it will help you become more efficient and keeping people on track. The last thing I'll talk about very quickly is closing a meeting properly. Closing a good meeting is making sure that all action items are jotted down, written down, and, as- and appropriately assigned. Assigned to a person, assigned to a date, assigned to a tangible outcome. Anything where there is a follow-up required, make sure that if those follow-ups are mentioned in the meeting that they don't just linger. Make sure that some you or somebody else in that meeting is writing down the follow-ups. That will be one thing for sure. Lastly, lastly, making sure that were your objectives, were your desired outcomes actually met? If you're doing this for the first or second or third time, if you have articulate, if you have started to prescribe what the meeting is for, why it's happening and, and the structure around the meeting to create healthy boundaries, right? You should then at the very end of the meeting be reflecting on whether or not that was achieved. Were the outcomes achieved? Only you can answer that. You can do that at the very end of the meeting and take up a few minutes and actually get buy-in from the room. Or you can do that post-meeting with a, pub, a couple of people from the meeting as kind of what I'll call a post-mortem. Depending upon the nature of the meeting and depending upon if this is a leadership meeting or, or a same-level peer meeting or not, you, can, you have to decide what's the right approach. But at minimum, you have to close the meeting by evaluating whether or not your desired outcomes were met. If your desired outcomes that you outlined at the beginning of the meeting are not met, then you need to pivot your approach. And this is where I encourage you that if you haven't started to build your squad and your network, you're going to start to see this as a theme. If you have not picked up on it, it is a thing. You need your squad or your network, which is going to be next week's episode. You need to start to find your people that you can start to have those side chat conversations with via call, text, whatever, about how, how do you think that meeting went? What did you think? What do you think needs to change? How can I do differently? What can I do better? What do I need to stop doing? You, you have to have your people that you can trust to have the psychological safety to have that type of conversations so you can grow and be a better employee. Moreover, so you can grow and, and own this meeting better. Start to lay the foundation. So last three things I'll say. First, create clarity around your meeting. What's the purpose? What are the desired outcomes, right? That's the pre-work. Then during the meeting, right, you need to be an advocate and you need to be a mediator, 
right? Hold people accountable to the time, hold people accountable to the agenda and the topic. The only way to do that is again to set intention and do the pre-work ahead of time, ahead of time. That's critical, right? And then last is closing, making sure that the desired outcomes are met. If the desired outcomes are not met, then you need to pivot. The only way to have a perspective on how to pivot is to do the reflection work and or to have people that you can tap into for perspective, advice, guidance. Get a squad. Get people that you can tap into for that. So at a very broad level, you've got three ways to appropriately have a good meeting. Or three things, rather. You have three things that you need to do. Pre-work, during the meeting, and, and post-work. What you will start to realize is that this is just not a 45-minute meeting. This is likely a 45-minute meeting plus the pre-work and plus the post-work. So this means that this is now really for you to successfully run this meeting several hours a week or several hours a month, depending upon how often you're having this meeting. That alone will tell you that this is not just a tactical thing where you just simply execute it, but you are a strategic person in this and you have a voice. You can own something. And then through owning this, you will build alliances, you will build relationships, you will create power. That will then affect every other part of your workday and your career at large. That's what I encourage you to do. And again, this is the this is the start of this conversation. So as a follow-up, if there's something that I said that you're super curious about, send me a DM. Send me a DM on Instagram, the Amber L. Hall. You can come find me or send me an email. That's that my email is available in the show notes. And we can have we can have a chat about it. We can have a chat. And I can understand your specific situation and give you some pointers or ideas or tips and tricks based on what I've learned and, and what I know to be my standard of excellence when it comes to running meetings. Remember, you got this. You can run the meeting and and it'll be fine. You just have to do the work. You just have to do the work. It is not easy, but it's simple. It is a simple thing. And I hope wherever you are that you are healthy and safe. Seriously, the world, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. The world continues to amaze me with how insane and chaotic it can be. So I really hope that you have the safety and security wherever you are to be the greatest version of yourself that you aspire to be. And that is it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Chief Hustler Podcast, where we are focused on giving you the tips to own your career like the hustler that you are. As always, I want to thank you for your time as it is your most valuable possession. There are a few ways to support this podcast. First, by following me, Amber, on Instagram and commenting on a post and sharing your perspective. Second is by sharing this episode or other podcast episodes in ways that's authentic to you. This podcast is nothing without you. And you sharing means the most to me. Until next time, keep hustling.